0: Well, good morning. Glad to see everybody. Remembered the time change and made it here on time. Josh told me I had to stand here because I'm too short to stand up there, so <laughs> that's what I'm doing. Hope everybody's having a great morning. I know I thoroughly enjoyed our Bible class and all the discussion that we had. He um, did a very good job, and uh, I love class when everybody's talking and, and communicating and discussing. That always makes class so much so much better. Um, so just want to start off by saying thank you for the opportunity to be here with you this morning. Um, I'm honored to be able to speak in front of you, and not only thank you for that, but thank you for the support, the encouragement you've given me while I've been here, but also the financial support that you guys give to me um, that is very appreciated, um, and thank you for that. So this morning, if you would like to open your Bibles to Daniel chapter 6, that's where we're going to start our lesson, uh, well actually that's where we'll be all morning. So if you want to open your Bibles to Daniel chapter 6, before we get into the text, I want, I want you guys to think back to your childhood, when you were a small child, and just think about how uh, impressionable you were uh, when you were a little kid. And almost everything that we see or hear as a small child makes some sort of impression on us. I mean, How often do you hear a little kid say something just totally crazy, totally random, and you think to yourself, I wonder where they heard that? Right. Everything that children hear makes an influence on them or makes an impression on them in some way. You know, one thing that I've noticed as I have grown up is that that doesn't necessarily change when we become adults. And that might not necessarily be a bad thing. It's, it's good for us to be influenced by godly, uh, God fearing people. Absolutely. But I think that as we grow as Christians and as adults, we should try our best to be the influence to others show the world uh, what it is to be a Christian and what it means uh, to follow Christ and try our best to be a good influence uh, to those who are around us. You know, there are several people in the Bible that we read about who were influential people for Christ. Uh, you think about Jesus, obviously, Paul, the Apostle Paul, all the apostles for that matter. I mean, there's a ton of people in the Bible that we can read about who make an influence, who made an influence on those who were around them. But one of my favorites Is Daniel. And that's who I want us to study uh, this morning in Daniel chapter 6. Daniel was a very influential man. And he did a lot of good. And we see here in Daniel uh, chapter 6 the power of the influence of just one man who is faithful to God. And that's what I want us to study this morning. So we're going to just kind of go through this chapter, Daniel chapter 6, together. We'll read a few verses at a time and we'll see. Uh, the applications and the things that we can take out of it. So if you want to read along with me, starting in Daniel chapter 6 and verse 1. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps, to be over the whole kingdom. And over these three governors, of whom Daniel was one, that the satraps might give an account to them, so that the king would suffer no loss. Then this Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and the satraps, because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king gave thought to setting him over the whole realm. So we'll stop there for now. We see the king here uh, had set up a system. He had 120 satraps. um, Maybe that's how you pronounce it. I don't know. 120 satraps over the whole kingdom. And uh, a satrap was like a local ruler, kind of like a mayor, if you want to think of it that way. Um, And he would have been over a small area. And then over them were three governors. Okay, and they would have answered to those governors. It's kind of like a business, right? You have someone at the top, and then a couple people under him, and then each of them have people under them, and so on and so on. That's kind of how I think of it in my mind. And he set this up so that he would suffer no loss. And he was so impressed with this Daniel that he even thought about putting him not only as a governor but above the governors, above the entire realm. Right. So he was very impressed with this man named uh, named Daniel, and. Why was he so impressed? Well, it tells us in uh, verse three that an excellent or verse yeah verse three an excellent spirit was in him. So can the same be said about us? Can do people see us and think, oh, that person has an excellent spirit within them? Because that's how the king felt about Daniel. Let's read verse four. Said so the governors and the satraps sought to find some charge against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find no charge or fault because he was faithful. Nor was there any error. Or fault found in him. So those other governors um, seems as if they were a little bit jealous of Daniel, right? They see that the king was thinking about putting him over the entire realm, and and maybe they're thinking to themselves, well, why Daniel? Why is Daniel being considered to be put over the whole realm? What about what about me? Or what about you know all the other other people who serve the king? Why is Daniel being considered? And I think. You know, maybe we can relate to that feeling, that feeling of envy that maybe you can have towards someone if they, if you feel like they get that promotion or that raise or uh, maybe you're, maybe you play sports. And I remember I played football in high school and uh, I thought I should have been the starter, starting quarterback, but I was really not very good. But I was jealous of the guy who was, right? And I think we can relate to that. And I think that's what these governors um, and these state traps were feeling towards Daniel. And they're wondering, you know, why not me? Why not me? So they want to try and find a secret on Daniel or a skeleton in his closet, if you will. And they're having trouble doing that. And why? Why does verse 4 tell us that they're having trouble with that? Says because they could find no fault in him. He was a faithful man. And does that mean that Daniel was a perfect man? No. If we flip just a couple pages over to Daniel chapter 9... In verse 5, we see Daniel himself say, in verse 5, that we have sinned and committed iniquity. We have done wickedly and rebelled, even by departing from your precepts and your judgments. So here, just a couple chapters later in Daniel, uh, he's saying, yeah, we met, uh, you know, we messed up. We sinned and we committed iniquity in the sight of the Lord. So we know that Daniel is not a perfect man, but he was a faithful man. And he strived to please God in all that he did. And they could find no fault him and the same should be said about us that we should not be hiding anything and this doesn't mean that we have to be perfect because we know we can't be Daniel was not perfect but he was faithful to God let's read verse 5 it said these then these men said we shall not find any charge against this Daniel unless we find it against him concerning the law of his God so these men realized that the only way they were going to get Daniel in trouble was if they made him make a choice they wanted to make Daniel choose between the law of the land and the law of God they knew they knew that he would choose the law of God over the law of man and they knew that that's where they would get him so do we exhibit so much faith that people know that that we're always going to choose God over anything else is that the kind of faith that we show those those who are around us every day I've been asked this question once, and maybe you've heard this question before. said, if you were arrested for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? And that's always stuck with me. I I, I like that question. I think that's the question that we can ask ourselves on a regular basis. If you were arrested for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? We need to ask ourselves this question, and do we live our lives for God, and do we we put Him first, and do we choose Him over, over things of this world? Because that's what we see Daniel doing in this story. Let's pick back up in verse 6. It says, So these governors and satraps thronged before the king and said thus to him, King Darius, live forever. All the governors of the kingdom, the administrators and the satraps, the counselors and the advisors have consulted together to establish a royal statute and to make a firm decree that whoever petitions any god or man for 30 days except you, O king, Shall be cast into the den of lions now O king establish the decree and sign the writing so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and Persians which does not alter therefore King Darius signed the written decree so these high officials they devised the plan and they went to the king and they petitioned him and said make make this new law that if anyone prays to or petitions to any other God or any man other than yourself that they must be thrown to the den of lions. They knew Daniel would break this law. And I also find it pretty interesting just how much they've got to lie in order to get Daniel in trouble. They say that all the governors of the kingdom had come together and put together this decree. Well, that obviously doesn't make any sense. You think Daniel, one of the governors, was a part of this law that was going to get himself in all this trouble? No, of course not. They had to lie and do whatever they could to try and get Daniel in trouble. Let's read verse 10 together. It says, Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home, and in his upper room, with his windows open towards Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day, and he prayed and gave thanks before his God, as was his custom since early days. So Daniel heard that this writing had been signed, that this law had been passed, and he goes home and he prays. And not only does he pray, but he prays in the upper room with the window wide open uh, where anybody could have seen him. And you know, I can't help but every time I read this story thinking to myself, Daniel, dude, you could have just like stepped backwards, right, and closed the window or something so people wouldn't have seen you. But he wasn't going to do that. Even though his He was in danger. His priorities stayed the same. He had convictions that were non-negotiable. And there's times when we've got to take a stand as well, just like Daniel did in this story. I think it's also interesting to note the first thing he did when he found out about this new law was go and pray to God. Think about the other options Daniel would have had when he heard about the signing of this decree. The, gov- or the, the king really liked Daniel. Remember, he was going to set him over the entire kingdom. That's how much he liked him. He could have gone to the king and said, what, are you, what is this about? Why are you doing this? This is wrong. You shouldn't do this. But instead, the first thing he does is go to God in prayer. I mean, think about if you had uh, our president's personal cell phone number and something happened in this country that you didn't agree with, how quickly would you be to text him or to call him and, and be like, what? why? If you were that close with our president, it would be very easy to just call him up and talk to him about something you disagree with. That's the relationship Daniel had with the king. Yet he prayed to God first anyway. You know, I think about the world that we live in and the country that we're living in and and so many sinful things are becoming more and more popular, and we have more and more laws that allow these sinful things to be okay and i and I see you know Christians on Facebook and uh, you know yelling at our uh, local politicians and our presidents saying, "Change this, change this, what are you doing?" I think that we need to remember where we need to start. I think we need to start with God and we need to pray to him and pray that he will he will help lead our country, and that we can follow. That our country will follow him instead of following worldly things. And I'm not saying that we can't be involved in our country's politics. I uh, keep up with it uh, very closely. I think that it, it's important for us to do so. And, and you, I think that we should reach out to our politicians. But I think we need to remember who holds the power in the kingdoms of men, and that is God. And we need to lean upon God to stop these things. Instead of leaning on men to do something about it. And not only that, we need to take it upon ourselves to live a life that shows people why it's more important to live a life following Christ and not, and not ask our leaders to do that. We need to live, live a life as Christians that show people why it's not okay to live a sinful life. And why it's better to follow our Lord and Savior. So let's pick back up in verse 11, if you will. Said, then these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. And they went before the king and spoke concerning the king's decree, saying, "Have you not signed a decree that every man who petitions uh, any god or man within 30 days except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions?" And the king answered and said, "The thing is true according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which does not alter." So they answered and said before the king, "That Daniel who is one of the captives from Judah, does not show due regard for you, O king, or for the decree that you have signed, but makes his petition three times a day. So Daniel is seen praying and making petition to God so the other officials get together and they go to the king and they rat him out, basically. Their master plan is finally coming together and I can just see it in my mind, the, the smirk on their faces. As they go to the king to get Daniel thrown into the lion's den. I'm sure they're just thrilled sitting back and waiting. Verse 14 says, And the king, when he heard these words, was greatly displeased with himself. And he set his heart on Daniel to deliver him. And he labored until the going down of the sun to deliver him. The king was not happy with himself. And King Darius, he liked Daniel, right? We've talked about that. He tried all day till the sun went down to try and think of a way to get Daniel out of this. But there was nothing that he could do. As the leaders and the governors uh, reminded the king that according to the law of the Medes and Persians, this couldn't be altered, this couldn't be changed, and that there was nothing that he could do. Verse 16 says, So the king gave the command, and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions the king spoke, saying to Daniel, your God, whom you serve continually, will deliver you. So the king, very distressed, he tells Daniel, he says, this God who you serve continually, he'll deliver you from this. And I find it interesting that even though he's telling Daniel to continue to have faith in his God, that's basically what he's saying. Even though he's telling Daniel to have that faith, we still read about the king in verse 18 being a- unable to sleep because he was so concerned about Daniel. You know, it didn't seem like he necessarily had that much faith in the God that Daniel served. At least not at this point. I think we can also take away from this uh, story is to notice that Daniel, he didn't wait to pray to God till he was being thrown in the <laughs> lion's den. You know, he was praying to God when there was no problem beforehand. You know, when he heard about the writing of the decree. It says that uh, he knelt down and prayed. Uh, let's see, in verse ten, it says, And he gave thanks before his God, which was his custom since early days. So he had been doing this. He always prayed to God. We need to remember not to just pray to God during hard times, but to pray to God when times are good, when times are just okay. I don't you know, whenever. We need to remember to make our supplications to the Lord. Verse 19. Says then the king arose very early in the morning, and he went in haste to the den of lions. When he came to the den he cried out with a lamenting voice to Daniel, and the king spoke, saying to Daniel, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you continually serve been able to deliver you from the lions? And then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God has sent his angels and shut the lions' mouths, so that they have not hurt me, because I was found innocent before him. And also, O king, I have done no wrong before you. We see God delivering Daniel here from the lion's den. And why? Again, it says because he was found blameless, innocent before God. And we know that doesn't mean he was sinless, but he was blameless. He was faithful to God. You know, if we knew that certain death awaited us right outside that door, if we weren't found blameless... Would we have the confidence to go in? Daniel did. Daniel had the confidence in his faith, in his following of God, that he would be delivered from the lion's den. In verse 23, it says, Daniel was taken up out of the den with no injury found on him because he believed in his God. Daniel had confidence in God. He had confidence that he would be delivered. And that's why he was delivered. He was delivered because of his faith. 3 verse 25 it says then the then king Darius wrote to all the peoples, nations and languages that dwell in all the earth peace be multiplied to you i make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom men must tremble and fear before the god of Daniel for he is the living god and steadfast forever his kingdom is the one which shall not be destroyed and his dominion shall endure to the end he delivers and rescues and he works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth, who has delivered Daniel from the power of the lions. So this Daniel prospered in the reign of Darius and in the reign of Cyrus the Persian. Do You know how old Daniel probably was at this time in his life? I, I think I did the math right. He would probably would have been around 80 years old. He would probably have probably been around 80 years old. And despite his age he continued to serve God and through his influence not only survives the den of lions but he helps to enact this decree that has everybody recognizing the true and living God as the true and living God. Through his influence and through his faith in God the entire kingdom recognized God as the one true God. And at the Age of eighty years old, and that that tells us that it doesn't matter your age, it doesn't matter how old you are. You can be influence, you can be an influence for the Lord, at no matter no matter your age. And this also shows us that we as followers of God can work our way up in society and be and use that use that pedestal as a way to influence as many people as we can, because that's what we see Daniel doing. He worked his way to a very successful position he was you know one of the governors and potentially going to be even higher than the governors and he used that to be influential for God and that's what I want us to take away from this lesson this morning is that we too can be like Daniel if we have the faith of Daniel and we put all our trust and our love and our faith in God then he will use us as tools as as a mouthpiece for him to spread the gospel to the world and to be influential to those who are around us. So Daniel, an 80-year-old man, he worked hard, was put into a high position of authority, yet he remained faithful to God. He continued to pray to God through good times and through bad times and even when the law told him not to. And though he was not perfect. He remained faithful and blameless, influencing an entire country. And that is the power of just one man to influence others. Now imagine if everybody in this room, if we all leave this building this morning dedicated to being as influential for Christ as Daniel was. Imagine the things that we could do for Christ. The power of just one of us to influence others is read here in Daniel chapter 6. And that's why it's one of my favorite stories in the entire Bible. To show others why being a Christian is so great. We need to live our lives faithful to Christ. And we need to tell others what they need to do to become Christians. And we tell them, you know, Romans chapter 10 and verse 17. That faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And that we tell them they need to believe. John chapter 8 and verse 24 says, For if you do not believe that I am He, you will die in your sins. Thirdly, we have to tell them to repent. Luke chapter 13 and verse 3 <clears throat> As I tell you no, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. You tell them to confess Jesus Christ as the Son of God. Romans chapter 10 and verse 10. For the heart of one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made to salvation. And finally, we have our sins washed away in baptism. And we talked about that in Bible class this morning. We contact that blood of Christ that was shed for us so that we can one day be in heaven. Acts chapter 2 and verse 38 says, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. It doesn't stop there. We have to live that faithful life to God just like Daniel did and be found blameless before God, be found faithful before Him. So if there's anyone here this morning who recognizes maybe we, they haven't been that positive influence to those around them. It's okay. It's not necessarily an easy thing to do, but we're here to encourage you to do that. Or maybe you just want our encouragement or our prayers of this congregation here. We would be glad to do whatever we can for you. So if we can help you in any way, come forward now while we stand. While we